Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. That's not what Paul's speaking about. He's speaking about being connected to the Holy Spirit of God. He's speaking about being Holy Spirit-minded. So when I ask you the question, are you spiritual? Let me change that real quick. Are you Holy Spirit-minded? Or are you mindful of the things of this world? That's the difference between being biblically spiritual and biblically In today's message, Pastor David discusses the importance of a worldview that is formed and led by Christ. Because of the presence of God's Spirit in our lives as believers, we have an understanding that unbelievers do not experience. Having this wisdom does not mean that we are immune to the artifacts or influences of sin. And we must still lean on God's strength and continually seek His wisdom. Through God's patient guidance, we can be changed so the mind of Christ rules and reigns in us. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, The Mind of Christ. ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, how he loves you and me. How he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. And he has a great plan for us the normal course of human wisdom and human understanding, it comes through natural eyes, through natural ears, through the natural mind or heart of man. And yet the plans of God aren't discerned that way. And although they haven't been shown or proclaimed clearly, Paul tells us that they're going to be made known to the children of God through the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to be the spirit that ignites and excites your heart for what God has in store. I don't think we're ever going to know it fully, but I believe that it's the spirit of God that stirs our hearts in this. He says in verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. And even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Nothing is hidden from the Spirit of God, by the way. No, not even that. No, not even that. Nothing is hidden from the Spirit of God. He shares in that, that, that divine attribute of omniscience, knowing all things. 
an infinite number of things about God are always going to remain hidden from our human mind. Even those hidden thoughts of God, the Holy Spirit knows, because he is God. One of the Godhead, and again, uh, the, the reliable source for you and I as humans is again the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. None of this insight comes from human wisdom. Uh, The Corinthians didn't know it. The Corinthians didn't understand it. And you and I, even with all the training and the education and the learning that we've had, we still don't understand it outside of what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. Outside the revealing work of the Holy Spirit within the hearts of true believers, through the Word, through the message and the mystery of God, God's plans and purposes, None of that stuff makes sense outside of the Spirit of God. The word that he uses here for revealed, the Greek word is apokalupto. Now it's a compound word, apo, that, that means off or to take away. And the word kalupto, that, that means to cover up. And together it means to take away the cover up or to reveal. And apokalupto is where we get our other transliterated word, apocalypse, which means revelation, revelation. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the revelation of who God is and what God's plans and purposes are for us. This is only the case for the redeemed. The world doesn't get this revelation. They don't understand it. They don't understand you. They don't understand the word. And and I've had probably a dozen people in my lifetime and witnessing and sharing with them. I probably had about a dozen people that said, you know, I've read the Bible. I've read the Bible two times, three times. Oh, I studied the Bible for a while and it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know what? If you gave me a Chinese Bible and I looked through it and I looked through it and I looked through it and every day I looked through it. Since I don't know Chinese, it wouldn't make any sense to me. You see, these things are spiritual things, and unless the Holy Spirit of God is in them, they're not going to understand it either. Reading for reading's sake, in in a secular mindset, in the logic of man, outside of the Holy Spirit of God revealing it, it won't make sense. He says in verse 12, we have received not the spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And again, even as believers, we can't even begin to understand all that we've received by that gracious hand of God simply by looking at the world through natural eyes, through a secular mindset. Again, it's only through that revealing work of the Holy Spirit and that final revealing coming as we enter into that new heavens and the new earth. You know, there's, there's some things, I don't care how spirit-filled you are and how close you are to the Lord, there's some things you just will, we just will not know until we are there. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Uh, I was talking with one of the women after Tot's Tuesday night Bible study. Uh, Tot and I, this gal, were talking and we're just talking again about the greatness of God and how some believe that they have God all figured out. And one of the things we talked about, and we understand, man, if, if you can figure God out, you've got way too small of a God. 
Because our God does move in mysteries. God moves in inexplainable ways, and he's greater than our brain capacity, has the ability to be able to understand. I mean, I wanted to use the, the example of uh, if someone came and started talking to me about physics, and I'd say, well, forget about that. I, I don't know anything about physics. But that's not even a close example, because if I really studied really hard and got a brain transplant, I could probably learn physics. But outside of truly being with God, there's some things we will never learn, we'll never be able to experience. It's only then we're really going to be able to comprehend that wonderful work of God's redemption. It's only then that we're really going to know what grace fully is about. We think that we know grace now, but I think that it'll be revealed to us in such a way, in such a powerful way then, that uh, we'll probably spend the first portion of eternity just weeping, just weeping. It's in that day that we'll know as we are known. It's in that day that, same as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, right now, man, we're, we're looking through a foggy mirror. We're looking through a glass dimly. But then we're going to be able to see him face to face. So let me ask you real quick. I want you to consider. I want you to ponder. Are you spiritual or are you carnal? First of all, understand what the Bible means when it speaks of someone or something being spiritual. It means having to do with the Holy Spirit of God, okay? There's a lot of people today that claim themselves to be very, very spiritual, and yet they have absolutely no connection with the Holy Spirit. Their minds and their hearts are set on some other spirit, not the Holy Spirit. They sit on top of a mountaintop in Sedona, or they climb to the Himalayas, and they chant, and they um, and they fold their bodies in weird ways, and they say that they're very spiritual. But that's not what Paul's speaking about. He's speaking about being connected to the Holy Spirit of God. He's speaking about being Holy Spirit-minded. So when I ask you the question, are you spiritual, let me change that real quick. Are you Holy Spirit-minded? Or are you mindful of the things of this world? That's the difference between being biblically spiritual and biblically carnal. Let's admit it to each other. There, there are times that we can be either one or the other. I mean, within the same day, okay, I can, I can move between the two. My confession to you. I think if you were honest, you'd probably say the same thing. When I struggle to understand the word of God or the plan of God in my life or I get stressed out about the things that, that are going on in, in my personal life or in, my, uh, in, in the world around me and I'm, I'm struggling with these things, I'm not at peace, then you know what I found out? I'm, car- I'm, I'm carnally minded at that point in time. There's no way that I can be fully spiritually minded and not have that peace that passes all understanding. And not say, like we shared with Paul on Sunday, hey, you know what, I've learned in whatever state I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be content. And contentment is a choice, by the way. It is a choice. Somebody shared that with me after the service, and I said, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> you guys give me some of my best stuff after the service. <laughs> when I'm not content, you know what? I've shifted over into being carnally minded. When I'm stressed out and I'm full of anxiety, you know what? I've shifted over to being carnally minded. 
rather than being spiritually minded, rather than saying, Lord, you know my frame, you know the situation, you know the doctor's report, you know the bank account, you know what's going on in their life, you know what's going on in, in my job situation, you know what's going on in my family. You know, Lord, I surrender to you and I walk with you. Now that doesn't mean that we don't get heartbroken and sad over situations. But beloved, what's controlling your life? Are you spiritually controlled? Or are you carnally controlled? When events happen, sometimes we panic. Sometimes we move in fear. But are you quick then to turn around and say, Oh Lord, I don't want fear to reign and rule in my life. I want you to reign and rule. Are we quick to notice when we're carnal? We're quick to notice that when that temptation comes that we don't allow it to to stir up and cook within our heart and our mind. I I, I love what somebody said years and years ago to me. I, I don't know who it was or where it came from. He says, you know what? You cannot keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest. Temptation comes to anyone. How long do we allow that temptation to cook and stir and build within our lives. That tells me whether or not I'm walking in the carnality or whether I'm walking in the Spirit. In the Spirit, I say, Lord, I don't want none of that junk. I want you. Lord, I've allowed that too long to be here. I want to give that away. I want to lay that before you. I want to walk in the Spirit rather than walk in the flesh. That carnal, that immature believer. He's going to be introduced a little bit more in chapter 3 as I shared. That'll be next week. So again, like I said, Sunday, we'll see how many are here next week. But a believer in, in that state of mind, in that carnal state of mind, in the, a believer in a carnal state of mind and the natural man, the unbeliever, both of them struggle to understand the things of God. The believer can repent, though. The believer can turn back in obedience to God and then once again begin to see and understand what the Spirit is doing. Maybe not with all the answers, but at least with with the confidence that God is in control. But the natural man, he can never fully understand the things of the Spirit of God while he remains outside of Christ. You and I can explain it to them till, till the we turn blue to the cows come home to whatever, you know, saying you want to say. We can try to explain it with all the wisdom and all the intelligence we have. But unless the Spirit of God reveals it to them, unless they are surrendered to Christ, they'll never truly understand the things of God. That's why, again, in verse 13, or moving on in verse 13, Paul says, these things we also speak not in words with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. All that he says there in the earlier portion of that about the natural man, the natural man, he can be the most intelligent, most experienced guy or or woman in the world, but he will not know it unless the Holy Spirit teaches him. 
And the Holy Spirit will not reveal the depth of God's word until an individual is in Christ. The Holy Spirit will reveal the truth of the gospel, the hope of the gospel. That's the only hope that man has, is that the Holy Spirit reveal it. Because we don't come to an understanding through logic. We come only, Jesus said, man, no man comes to me except the Father draws him. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But be careful on how you interpret verse 15, where it says, but he who is spiritual judges all things, and yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. You can actually let pride get in your way if you misinterpret this verse. It doesn't mean that a lost person can't judge you or your actions and point out your flaws and failures. After all, that happens all the time, doesn't it? I thought you were a Christian and you said that? Didn't you say that you were a Christian? I just saw what you did over there. I don't know. Am I the only one that's ever been in that boat? (laughs) The, The world sometimes think they know how you and I ought to live better than we do. And they're quick to point out what we should or shouldn't be doing. Now, that just happens. What he's speaking about here is is more on a positive side. Because the world really can't figure you and I out. The natural man doesn't know what makes a Holy Spirit-minded believer tick. If you are Holy Spirit-minded and you're living your life that way, the world has no way of figuring you out. You are an odd duck. You are that peculiar people. And beloved, that's where we ought to be. The natural man can never fully understand the Christian faith and what life in Christ is all about while he is outside of Christ. However, as a believer, you can fully understand what the natural mind is all about, can't we? Because we've been there. We, unless, man, you got born again when you were four or five years old, you, you know what it is to live in the world and to be controlled by the things of the Lord. And the unfortunate reality is there's a lot of Christians that do too because they've walked in carnality for so long or so many times. But over the basic of things, the natural man can't figure out the Christian, but the Christian does understand the natural man. Many of us live too long that way. Beyond that, even as believers, we can't always tell what the Lord is doing in another believer's life. You see, that's why Paul says we need to be careful in judging one another. Because we don't know what God's doing in each other's life. Just real quick, and I know the hour is late, but someone asked me, he says, wow, Pastor, I I don't think I could ever do your ministry. You've got to put up with so many different kinds of people. And you know what? It's true. But you know what helps me put up with a lot of strange, weird people? (laughs) It's because I know who I am. God might be working in your life in a way that looks totally strange to me. But I've learned a long time ago that the tapestry of your life is most likely totally different than the tapestry of my life. But we've got one craftsman that's doing them both. 
Now, blatant and recognized sin, that, that's one thing. And when we see one another doing that, he says, you who are a spiritual man, you need to go and you need to surround that brother. You don't come in judgment. You come and encourage that brother. Save that brother again from, from the destruction or that sister from the destruction that they're going through. That's not what he's talking about here. Paul speaks about this issue really well in Romans chapter 14. I want you to turn there with me and we'll end with this. It's the idea of the law of liberty. Romans chapter 14. In Romans 14, I want to drop down to verse 4. Paul says here, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or he falls. And he's talking to believers who are judging other believers. Okay? Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, because God is able to make him stand. Then he goes on to say, you know, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He does not observe the day to the Lord. He does not observe it. He who eats, he eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Ward Wearsby puts it this way. We've got to be careful not to be spiritual dictators in the lives of God's people. And the very reason that we can't judge one another although we may be walking in the spirit we still don't see fully with a complete and a clear heart, what God is doing in those other lives. Back in 1 Corinthians 2, he ends the last verse here. But who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What is that mind of Christ? To have the mind of Christ means you have God thoughts and not the stinking thinking of this world. That means to be spiritually minded and not carnally minded. To have the mind of Christ means that your love for those that are around you supersedes whatever else is going on in their life. Your love for people even who are your enemies who have come against you supersedes the meanness and the honoriness and the hurt and the pain. That's the mind of Christ. Who, while we were still sinners, died for us. And even as they were nailing him to the cross, said, Father, forgive them. That's the mind of Christ. So the question is ended with this again. Are you spiritually minded or carnally minded? Do you have the mind of Christ 
Or do you have the mind of this secular world? That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.